Sword and Laser is brought to you by you. If you get a dollar's worth of value from the show, how about giving us a dollar back? Head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. Me? I'm Tom Merritt. <laughs> Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, amazing, awesome, fantastic discussions from fans just like you. You know, Tom, every time I wait for you to say your name, I'm always like, what's he going to do this week? What's it going <laughs> to be? Trying to keep it interesting after eight years. That's a long time. We've been doing I was until your Follow the Geeks chapter came out. I, I know they even mentioned it in the chapter they did about me, but your Follow the Geeks chapter, I was like, wow, wow, that's almost a decade. It's a long time. I know. It doesn't well, feel that long no, to me. No, I think that's a good sign. Yeah. It does not feel that long at all. Maybe it's because we've been doing this segment for too long. What are we drinking? <laughs> I don't remember the last eight years. <laughs> what are you drinking, Tom? Because I've been drinking beer. Uh, I'm drinking beer. I've been drinking beer a lot lately, I know. Um, but I was at our local uh, uh, artisanal market, which is right next to the vinyl record shop in my uh, neighborhood. What, I thought you lived in L.A. That sounds like San Francisco. Come yeah, on. I know. This What's is happening? my this is my walkable L.A. neighborhood uh, that I am bashing all of your stereotypes by describing. And I picked up a rogue hazelnut brown nectar. That sound is it sweet? It's a little sweet. It's not sweet like some beers that have like fruit in them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's got like just a hint of sweetness the way uh, Newcastle would because it's a brown. It's a brown label. And I have to admit, I had it for the first time this weekend and I was not sure. But this one today tastes really good. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm uh, moving away from my typical bourbon and rye selection of recent mm-hmm. months, and I'm drinking a Zinfandel uh, today. <laughs> so Northern California. I know. We we opened up a <laughs> bottle of Zinfandel last night uh, for dinner because I was making um, raviolis, and gotcha. it was a good. I think we maybe picked too good of a bottle because it is really really good. And it was not like a special <laughs> occasion. What is it? I'm like, oh, this is too good. It's a uh, Vianza uh, Sonoma County Zinfandel from 2009. <laughs> I've been to Vianza. Yeah, it's a place. beautiful winery. Um, I believe we picked up that bottle in person. We were there. Um, and so now I'm drinking I, it, but I, hey, I'm not guys, complaining. Did you like actually crush it with your own feet? With my own bare feet. <laughs> did now. you kick the grapes? <laughs> you can do that at certain wineries. Uh, but I did not do that with this particular <laughs> this vintage. Um, but it is really, it's really nice, I have to say. You know what else is nice, Veronica? Mm-hmm. Good books written by people in our audience that are being submitted on inkshares.com. I am blown away by the number and the high level of, of execution so far in this contest. Um, there's some really outstanding books so far, and these books don't have to be finished. So if you're if you're still thinking about submitting a book, uh, you know this is going on all month. The cutoff date is May 31st. Uh, so as long as you submit your book or your book idea, your manuscripts, your early chapters over on Inkshares, you'll be in the running. Though the earlier you get started, definitely the better, um, because the top five books in the science fiction fantasy genre um, are going to be published under Inkshares, and then our favorite will be the first Sword and Laser collection title. Now, Cinnabar got out to an early start, which is why she's saying don't wait too long. Uh, But 
Others have moved in. Asteroid Dragons, The Life Engineered, uh, An Unattractive Vampire. Is there <laughs> such a thing? Well, back this book and maybe you'll find out. Uh, yeah, there's so many good books in here. There's sword books and laser books, which is exactly what we like. Uh, it really, really gives me a smile every time I see somebody on Twitter saying like, Hey, I just submitted my book to ink shares for the sword and laser thing. Go check it out. Mm -hmm. And the, the covers look fantastic. And yeah, yeah. The, 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 uh, the personal promo that people have been doing on Twitter has been really rewarding to see because people want to get the word out about their books. And I think that's amazing. And SF signal. Thanks guys. They've been doing interviews with the authors and publishing excerpts from the book. It, it makes it feel like even so much of more of a real thing when, when other friend blogs yeah. have, ours are actually covering it um so that's that's really cool asteroid made of dragons i want to apologize to g Derek adams i left out the made of part uh yeah no these are these are these are great i'm so excited about well, this i'm so glad we did this much more to come and we still as i said we've got another half a month left to go so if you have an idea and you want to add it into the running head over to inkshares.com and look for the sword and laser collection contest uh, we are very excited to to get that ball rolling and excited to see what you guys have to offer all right, well, let's jump into the quick burns. Speaking of SF Signal, uh, they've got the 2015 John W. Campbell Memorial Award finalists up and a better selection I could not imagine. Uh, first of all, all three of Jeff Vandermeer's books are nominated. That's, are, are, are that, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, you've got John Scalzi's Lock-In, uh, Andy Weir's The Martian, Peter Watt's Echopraxia. Uh, and that's that's just at the bottom of scrolling uh, there's also the three body problem, which was translated by Ken Liu uh, mm -hmm. from Cixin Liu, uh, Emily St. John Mandel, Station Eleven. I mean, we we can't read them all. There's so many. And William Gibson, the peripheral got in there. I even. know. There's so much good stuff. Will McIntosh, we read. Uh, didn't we read uh, Love Minus 80? Did we read that as a pick or did I read that on my own? I you think must I, have read that on your own. It's it's really good. That's another Will McIntosh okay. uh, book. Yeah. Uh, but if you guys want something uh, kind of different and romancy, but not really, uh, that that was a that was an awesome quick read. Um, Laleen Paul's The Bees, whose cover frightens me every time I see it. <laughs> That's a real like grabber. Like yeah, you see it, you're like, oh, that book again. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, a lot of great selections here. Anyway, congratulations uh, that, to all of them. I just can't believe that The Martian is still up for awards. Not because I don't think it's an amazing book. It is. It's just like, wow. I feel like that book already won all the awards. It's having a good run. Yeah. yeah. So. It's no ancillary justice, uh, though. And uh, Ancillary Sword is not in the Campbell finalists, but it is in the Locus Awards, the finalists of which were also announced. And then a lot of the Campbell Award finalists are here too. Alongside Ancillary Sword by Anne Leckie is The Peripheral by William Gibson, The Three Body Problem Again by Cixin Liu, translated by Ken Liu, uh, Lock, Lock in, in by John Scalzi, and then all three John <laughs> Vandermeer novels, Annihilation, Authority, and Acceptance. And a lot of recognizable names under the fantasy novel category as well, including The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison, uh, Stellis of the Sky by Steals, Elizabeth Tor. I think is how you say is that, that supposed Steals. to be? Is that how that, is that really the, oh yeah, it Steals. is. Steals, yeah, Steals, Steals like a big pillar, I Steals? think. Steals? Okay. Yeah. 
City of Stairs by uh, Robert Jackson Bennett, uh, The Magician's Land by Lev Grossman, and The Mirror Emperor by Cameron Hurley. So a lot of great stuff, man. And then you got Joe Abercrombie on behalf of King sneaking into the young adult books. Along I don't know with Waistcoats and Weaponry. Not, it was definitely a young adult book. Yeah, Waistcoats and Weaponry, uh, The Doubt Factory by Paolo Bacigalupi, Empress of the Sun by E. MacDonald, uh, and Clariel by Garth Nix. Oh, and hey, under the first novel category, we have The Clockwork Dagger by Beth Cato. We're going to have we her on the show. Her. We should interview her. In fact, we are going to interview her. Uh, you were too fast. I was going to try to set you up and make you look like a genius. I know. I know. That would have been pretty funny. Damn it, Veronica. Why do you ruin everything? <laughs> Why? 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 Uh, but we're going to have her on June 10th. Uh, in this short story collection, uh, the, the year's best science fiction always gets nominated, and deservedly so. Uh, but I did end up reading a bunch of things from Rogues, uh, which was edited by George R. R. Martin and Gardner DeZoy. And really great stories in there. I yeah, mean, amazing I bought that. authors. I bought that um, over at Borderlands and I haven't gotten a chance to go through it yet. That's actually under the anthology collection, not the short story collection. That's in, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. Anthology collection. Cause they're not short stories per se. It's an anthology, but um, I, I, I use that as my short haul plane reading. Oh, interesting. Cause I know I'm always going to get something good that I can finish in the flight. That's funny because I use airplanes exclusively for book club books because that is time for completely unbothered, unencumbered reading where I'm not sleeping. you only have like a 60 minute flight. It's more than I can get done trying to go to bed at night because when I sit down to read a book at night, I just pass right out. We all know this. This is not news. I've stopped reading before I go to bed. I'll so be when, do, when well this is a conversation I read, for I a read a lot maybe. of audiobooks while I'm running mm-hmm. and then uh I read when I'm on planes apparently uh and I don't know I, I I squeeze in reading with my eyes in various situations like weekend afternoons and waiting for Eileen to come out of a clothing store stuff like that <laughs> All very good options. Well, we have a post uh, from Tomahome who says, as the unofficial spokesman for the Arthur C. Clarke Award, I'm here to inform you that Emily St. John Mandel's post-apocalyptic novel, Station Eleven, just won it. Hey, congratulations, Emily St. John Mandel. That's fantastic. Uh, Station Eleven has been on my radar as a possible pick. So this kind of pushes me down that road even more. Mm, yes, that is a sci-fi pick, so that would be for you, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Although you've, you've reached across the aisle and picked a sci-fi book before. Because I was actually thinking that as well, but I'm going to look at you some of the it. fantasy. You can do it. I'll pick a fantasy book. We can do we, this we now. We just We've did that. We just did that, though. I feel like we just did that. When? Like, really recently. We just like flip-flopped. Three... We, we just only, like, this month got let's back into the regular... Let's keep guessing, Veronica. They'll never know what's coming. Keep them guessing. <laughs> They'll never know what's next. Uh, congratulations, though. That's a very deserved. Uh, also, congratulations to Lev Grossman, uh, whose Magicians TV series is shaping up. Uh, Sci-Fi actually ordered the 12-episode series, so it's for sure going to happen. They have made the pilot already. Thanks to David H. for pointing that out. And Sandra says, it feels dirty to link to a BuzzFeed article. I don't know why she feels dirty. Uh, I get it. But they have an exclusive look at sci-fi's adaptation of the Magician series with pictures of the characters uh, and the writers and producers uh, weigh in on some changes that the readers might expect to see. For instance, Janet is now named Margot. Mm-hmm. My, here's my hmm. theory on that. I was like, why would they do that? Uh, they have Julia in this in the series more than she is in the books. Mm-hmm. You kind of follow her from the beginning, unlike the books where you sort of, you know, she disappears for a while. And you have two J characters names. Maybe they just wanted to distinguish them. Uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But Margot? 
Yeah, I don't know. Janet. Janet's such a Narnian name. Yeah. Which works in fillery so well. I don't know. Quentin is very handsome. I didn't think he was that handsome in the books, but he's very handsome. That's a very handsome version of Quentin. But yeah. it's a television show, Veronica. I know. They're not going to put like ugly Quentin up there. <sighs> or I'd be in television. Oh, Tom. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say about yourself. You are on internet television, that which was, is just as good. I was not fishing for compliments. I was just making Bullshit. a joke. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm, I'm very excited about that show. Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching that. And uh, I'm excited to start seeing all these these casting bits of news start start dribbling down the chain. Yeah. I, you know, I, I go back and think about the fact that we had Lev Grossman as our second interview on the, on the video show mm-hmm. for Geek and Sundry mm-hmm. uh, and how... I have just absolutely fallen in love with everything he's written in the Fillory universe since. Uh, same thing happened with James S.A. Corey. Like, it's it's so it's so fun to be a part of this show from the inside and still be able to experience it from the outside in a way because mm-hmm. our whole thing is about discovering new authors. And I and and it's satisfying to me that I'm I've even after eight years I haven't gotten so jaded that I'm like eh, another new author, same old stuff. No, I'm always excited for new stuff. That's that's half the fun. <sighs> Hey, sci-fi is kind of killing it right now. Can we talk about that for a second? Because Someone should arrest them. <laughs> they're killing it. It being boring TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Uh, they're teaming up with Steven St- uh, Spielberg's Amblin TV for an adaptation of Brave New World. How is that? How amazing is that? Something old, something new. Yeah. Something borrowed, something brave new world. Wow. Wow. No, no, no. I anyway, like, thanks, Darren, for it. pointing this out. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. And this is going to be a mini series, um, which is pretty neat. I think that's smart because I don't know you milk. You, can, you can't go uh, all continuum on Brave New World. You can't stretch it out over several seasons. So give, give me like a good focused look at this world. This is tough, though. It's a tall order. Yeah. Because I, I know all of us have a very distinct vision of what that book means to us hug and it's me till you different. drug me honey kiss me till i'm in a coma hug me honey wow, snuggly bunny loves as good as soma did you do that out of your brain yeah no i memorized it when i was a teenager no kidding yeah awesome. i was i was you know i went through that phase <laughs> you know i that don't want to be an alpha <laughs> where you're like really obsessed with brave new world no i'm glad I, that well that's a, what i mean right it's so formative for so many people uh the, there's lots of ways to go wrong and i hope they they overcome that. Me too. Um, hey, we talked a little bit about the adaptation of uh, Jonathan Strange that the BBC is doing, and Dara says that they have announced the uh, premiere time. It's going to be on June 13th at 10 p.m. on BBC America, and uh, I am still, you know, I saw more more commercials for it. I think there was a commercial for it during, um, what was I watching where I saw a commercial Orphan for Black. it? No, I don't watch Orphan Black. I know. We'll Old talk. Doctor Who episodes? <laughs> Top what was Gear I reruns? watching? <laughs> I, was, I, I don't think I was watching BBC. That's the problem. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what it was on. Anyway, I saw another ad for it and I got excited. It looks really fun. You know fun. who else is killing it? Dara with this one. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. Mm-hmm. Or, or Dara. I don't know. Hey, maybe. speaking of Annihilation which yes, we have been talking about extensively yes, of course, because Jeff Andermere is up for all the awards this year. True. Um, Brendan says that Natalie Portman is going to play the biologist in the upcoming adaptation, the film adaptation of Annihilation. What do you think of that? Padme mm-hmm. is going to be the <laughs> biologist. Not who I pictured 
Definitely okay. not who I pictured at but all. But think of her from I'm not, Thor. Yeah. Think of her right. as, as as you know being the scientist and and scientist cool lady in Thor. No, I you know think of her as the character Jane. she plays in Thor. Yeah, think of her as Jane. Think of the biologist being Jane. Yeah, how do we, how do we feel about it. that? I think Natalie Portman could could nail it. It's not who I pictured though, and that's just me. I got to get over that. I right? think that, I pictured her being older. I think that's mostly it. Uh, also taller. I don't, I don't know why. Well, she looks taller on film. I mean, they never look as tiny as they are in real yeah, life on film. Point. They always look like, you know, they've got it, a presence. You know what they say? The camera adds five inches. <laughs> I wish they said that. <laughs> no one ever says that. I wish that was the thing they said. Uh, but I, no. I'm, I'm glad of this casting. Okay. I think Natalie Portman is an excellent actress personally. Maybe you don't, I don't know, but I think she's great. And I think she can do a great job at this. Uh, it is a different approach to that character and not just looks wise, but also, I don't know. I was thinking more of a, um, Oh, and now I can't remember any actors names, but, um, <laughs> you know that one woman who plays those parts. <laughs> you know that actress that's in that one thing. <laughs> is it? She's in that one movie. Oh man, I can't believe I can't remember that. She's in a lot of um, that one director. <laughs> <laughs> Give me something to work with. Oh, the the one about the hotel. <laughs> This is one of those situations where because you're trying to remember something, it totally drives it. The Shining? No, 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 no. Um, Recent. The um, Wes Anderson? The Yeah, she's sometimes in Wes Anderson films. Um, crap. I don't think she's in Grand Budapest Hotel. Is that the hotel you were talking about? Yes, Grand Budapest Hotel is what I was trying to think of. Mm. Um, is she in there? Is she in there? Maybe. She... No, yes, she is. Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton? Really? Yeah. Because uh, I, in my brain, I just went, oh, well, Tilda, Tilda Swinton is in that movie, but that can't be who he's thinking of. Yeah. And she's <laughs> probably not the right age for the biologist either. Mm -hmm. Maybe though, but that's kind of who I thought of as the biologist. All right. Be honest. All right. No, I, I dig it. I dig it. Does she have hey, her I'm eyebrows dyed or not in, in that version that you're thinking uh, of? Because Tilda Swinton brown, sometimes brown, doesn't have eyebrows. The biologist had brown hair. Okay. To me. I think Natalie Portman will kill it. I think you're right. Kill all the things. Kill everybody. all the things, Natalie Portman. <laughs> but leave us the Folio Society. Don't kill them. Daniel points out that uh, he just bought an awesome edition of Dune from the Folio Society. If you don't know the Folio Society, they come out with extra special, awesome, hardbound copies of books. And uh, they're they're highly uh, engineered. They're, they're really good quality books, hardback books. If you, if you're a collector and appreciator of books and you don't care whether they're old or not, you just want them to be well done. Mm -hmm. uh, Folio society is for you. And they're going to release a special edition of the man in the high castle. Daniel says it's very pretty. They have a bunch of very cool and expensive bindings of books. You probably know. I saw a cool version of man in the high castle that I almost bought for you actually at, um, Oh yeah. At the bookstore at Powell's in uh, Portland. Oh, I love Powell's. Um, but then I was bookstore. like, you probably have it or you don't want a book. I don't know. I just didn't do it probably because I was lazy. Uh, yeah, well, that's fine. I'm not going <laughs> to hold it against you that you're lazy, but if you want a beautiful hardbound copy of the man in the high castle with a slip cover and gorgeous art inside, uh, from Shan Jang, then go check this out. Awesome. Well, thanks this is everyone. So good. I might actually buy it. I'm not a big fan of the folio society stuff like some people. Cause I kind of just prefer my hardbacks to be old mm -hmm. <laughs> and like leather bound that's and nice. shallow that way. 
Really? But I don't care. Yeah, I just like, I like it. This is it's gorgeous, It's fun to though. have pretty covers, too. This is too. really good, yeah. Get your hands on them. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for submitting our our uh, quick burns for this week. You can always do that over at goodreads.com slash the sword and laser. Sorry, goodreads.com slash sword and laser. There's no the, yeah, no the. in that one. Sword and laser. Um, look for our quick burn section and post cool stuff that you think is interesting and you want to hear about on the show. But let's jump right into Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. We got an email from Caliban. Uh, I don't know if Caliban is related in any way to Caliban's War, hmm. but Caliban wrote us and said, All right, I'm that guy. I'm the guy that read the Song on Ice of Fire books years ago and now is watching how the television adaptation is playing out. I feel this brings up an interesting precedent. Normally, a film or TV version is based on novels or in some cases the other way around. But this series brings up an interesting paradox. Mm. If the novel series were begun first, but the final TV episodes aired before the book series concluded, which one is canon? Oh, my God. Brain explosion. Normally, we we have one or the other to point to so we can say well originally this happened but in the film etc this will be hard to parse as an avid reader hmm wow huh jeez i'll tell you what's canon the book the book is canon yeah because the story is in george r, r. martin's mind and he is the creator yeah so okay so you're and 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 he points it out right you can say like well in the film this happened but this happened in the book so you essentially are saying there are two canon, right? Blade Runner, do androids dream of electric sheep? You you don't say Blade Runner is wrong. You just say, well, that's the film and that's the book. So I think that's what you do is you say, well, that's it's a it's an alternate reality. It's an alternate version of the story. But the book is canon, but the novels are canon. I say the book has the precedence, but that doesn't mean the TV show is wrong. I, I want like to find a, a way to be contrary about this, but I can't. I can't. <laughs> what you say seems to make sense. I've even convinced Veronica, mm. folks. And normally I just like to argue for the sake of arguing. No, you don't. But I can't seem to come up with a convincing <laughs> argument otherwise. So, but if you guys don't agree, let's talk about it. Email uh, yeah, us, good, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Tell us what or you think. Or start a thread on the Goodreads form. Yeah, either, either way, we will check it out and, and maybe you guys can come up with better arguments than I can. But I love the question. I think that's a fantastic question. It's a, question. question. It's yeah. a good It's a good thinker. Good and stuff. I think, I think Thanks, a lot Caliban. of different people will answer that differently. Um, so I'm very curious to see how you guys uh, how you guys discuss that one. Um, another thing that's been really fun to discuss is Tom's response to the Hugo controversy. Hey, so Tom, is is the whole is, is your response to the Hugo controversy picking a swashbuckling book for this month? Because that's kind of what Robert thinks. He says. <laughs> When I first read about the Hugo nomination controversy and that the goal of the sad puppies was to restore to the Hugo's roster books exemplifying what might best be called visceral gut level swashbuckling fun, that's in quotes, my first thought was of books like The Sword of Rhiannon. My second thought was that not many books like that have won a Hugo, so what the heck are they talking about? I realize that the Sad Puppies movement has much darker roots than, quote, restoring the fun, but it's also good to reflect on the silliness of the stated premise and celebrate how far SF and fantasy have come since those days. That said, I still enjoyed that trip down memory lane. So, Tom, was there, was that political? Was your choice political? Uh, no. Uh, I think probably I shouldn't say much, but Thane's post says maybe he's experimenting on you. Maybe he's been experimenting on all of us for years. 
Mm. Okay. I don't really know. What? What? Maybe he has. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe he still is. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, I didn't pick Sword of Rhiannon because of that. I picked Sword of Rhiannon because I had listened to How Star Wars Conquered the Universe and I like just was taken by the section where they described George Lucas working with Lee Brackett and why he liked her uh, and, and I wanted to read something from her. So it was pers- perfectly selfish. But it did cross my mind after we started reading it this month that I'm like, huh, this is a swashbuckling space adventure slash fantasy with swords classic and lasers. fantasy yeah, yeah classic fantasy sci-fi i mean it's classic mm-hmm. fantasy it's also classic space it's sci is it's not really sci- you can argue it's not science fiction because there's not a lot of science in it but there's a touch of it and mm-hmm. at the time it was written in the 40s uh those lines were extraordinarily blurred so yeah uh and sure i don't know you want to take it as that go ahead like why not i just like the conspiracy <laughs> angle i think that's yeah. half the fun knock yourself out but speaking of which, uh, we should chat about uh, Sword of Rhiannon. We're not going to do any spoilers in this episode because we are mid-month right now, and I know you guys are still chugging along. So at the end. So, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, by the way, I do want to apologize. We sort of half kicked off Sword of Rhiannon uh, minimally at the end of the last episode, and someone pointed out like, hey, uh, don't kick off the book after you wrap up the previous book, because if I don't want to be spoiled on the wrap-up, okay. then it's hard to find the kickoff. That's my fault. I copped to that. I put it backwards in the lineup, so. It's all right. I forgive We'll try not you. to do that. This time, don't let it happen again. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, so I finished, though. Uh, I, won't, I, won't, I won't put away any spoilers, like I, like I, I mentioned. I finished also. I really enjoyed this. It was an interesting experience because it felt old and modern in varying degrees hmm. at different points to me. Uh, some of it felt modern because... It's doing things that have been so long abandoned by the genre that they felt new because no one does them anymore. And then sometimes <laughs> it just old felt is new like, again. yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting take. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, it's not. That's just a really old take. And, and, and that kind of made me think, well, at the time that this was written, you have to remember that a lot of these kinds of stories weren't written. Uh, so the mixing in of science into the fantasy is one of those things that felt new to me, mm-hmm. uh, even though that's extremely old, right? Yeah, I, I'm having similar reactions to, I think, what what some other people in the forums were having, which is that if this were a much longer book, I don't know if I would have made it all the way through. Um, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. <sighs> well, but I think that's I fine. did this, enjoy this it. Is the, this is the definition of pulp fiction, mm-hmm. and pulp fiction is meant to be enjoyed fast and thrown away. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, in fact, while we're reading it, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have much to say about this book in the wrap up because I don't really feel like it's diving into any, I mean, God, I hate to say like any issues. I sound like such a, uh, well, I, I sound like exactly the people the sad puppies hate. Like, oh, sure, you, sure, you have to it, have issues in your book. It's not that. <laughs> it's just that I need some meat to talk about. And I don't know if there is a lot of meat there. Well, there's things to talk about, but I know what you're saying. Coming off like a Jeff Vandermeer, for instance, <laughs> right, right. like this is, this is, you know, very much a relaxing book. This is not going to provoke you to think. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you want that kind of story. And that's what this was fulfilling. This is beach reading. You know, for for the people of the late 40s uh, and still is. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it 
from that perspective of like, it's just fun. And it never got to the point that it made me cringe. Like there are a couple points. And like, like I said, we're not going to do spoilers. So I won't give you too much detail in the examples. There are a couple points towards the end where she took some pretty fast right turns. Cause she knew she was getting towards the end of the book mm-hmm. uh, and wrapped up a couple of things. I'm like, Oh, well that seems a little pat. That seems a little fast to make that happen. But at the same time, I'm not going to get upset about that because I got a, a, a an adventure and it moved quickly. It never bored me. And I think there's a place for that kind of story. And I, I think agree. Lee Brackett was great at telling that kind of story. Uh, I've read other Pulp Fiction that is not nearly as good as this. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more I wanted to learn about in the world. So I guess in, in terms of world building, I had a lot of questions unanswered that I would have liked to, to flesh out a little bit more. Um, that's not the place for a pulp novel. You know, that's not really how it works. You're just supposed well, to kind of, of accept Dick, what the novels are and, and Philip K. Go with Dick that. wrote wrote Pulp Fiction too, and he would get that criticism sometimes. Like you created this amazing concept and then you didn't fully explore it. And he's like, Yeah, because I had a word count. And I hit <laughs> yeah, because it. it had to be two hundred and fifty pages. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that's that's fair. Uh, and there were some problematic if I didn't know that Lee Brackett was a woman, I would have some issues with some of the writing. And I don't well, know if that's because of the time period or the audience she was catering to or her editor or her editor or yeah. what, but I would be like, Whoa, Hey, Hey now. And then I'd be like, Oh, but a woman wrote this. I'm so confused in my mind. Well, I think that's another reason why reading this kind of material from this, the, from older eras. Uh, and we got, we got to look at it when we did, uh, uh, what was the Hugo, the first Hugo award winner that we did, um, do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, like in life? Like, what do you mean? We read, we read the, uh, the original Hugo award winner. Oh, uh, uh ch- ch- children of God, the something man, man, children of men, <laughs> not children of men, men uh, no, children of, oh, uh, I'm getting old, Veronica. I know. I know you are. It's about, you know, the guy who's <laughs> running around trying to solve the crime anyway. And we, and Samuel Delaney even, uh, you know, a, a different time period the later. The guy running around trying to solve the crime. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's that book about that thing <laughs> you're not allowed to drink before the shows anymore do the I, didn't, on that. I didn't start until after the we started guy, doing wait, no show. now i'm now i'm curious the guy running around trying to solve the crime <laughs> and it's a book <laughs> you know the one about the guy <laughs> uh, <laughs> was it <laughs> <laughs> was we read it for the book club. Oh yeah, yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna look on the wiki. Somewhere, somewhere in the world, people are screaming at us right now. They're like, you know, the one with the guy and the crime. Uh, the demolished man. Oh, Alfred, Alfred Bester. Bester. Okay. Yeah, you know, because he's the guy and he's trying to solve a crime. <laughs> he was trying to solve a crime. You're absolutely See? right. I told you. Wow, they <laughs> really, what they saying. really built up the Wikipedia page, the wikia. It looks <laughs> nice great, job, guys. Good job. Yeah. Holy so money. anyway, when we read Alfred Bester, we got a, a look at at where this kind of what the genre was at in the 50s. When we read Samuel Delaney, we got a look at it where it was in the 60s. Uh, and I love I don't think we often enough go back and read things out of their era and the 40s, especially. I mean, there wasn't a lot written in the 40s, mm-hmm. uh, especially by women. And so looking at that and having that reaction that you did, I think is very instructive to know like, okay, certain things were probably required of her to be able to get it published. Certain things are just different 
you know, certain assumptions that we make now were not the assumptions then. And, you know, it may be impossible to exactly understand the difference between the two, but it does start to make you think like, okay, what, why was that okay for her to write then? And why not? Uh, and, and, and it gives you an, an interesting perspective on things. Whereas if this was written today, you would just say, well, you knew better because you're, or, or you were obviously trying to say this when you know that, well, Lee Brackett probably wasn't trying to say all the things we would assume she was saying if it were published today. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you guys are, are enjoying it for, for it being the pulpy classic that it is. Um, I listened to the audiobook, and I wonder if that informed my opinion about the book more than it should have i think if you listen to the audiobook you enjoy it more that's my Mm. suspicion Mm. because i think you're used to working harder with a you know with a modern writer than you would with this whereas with an audiobook you can just sort of at least i felt like you could just sort of relax and and be told a tall tale yeah all right. I will now. I, I feel a little bit better about it now. Have, we haven't we have, us having had this discussion, Tom. All right. Good. Good. I Good. think I, I think my I, historical opinion about this book has been changed. Interesting. I'm glad to hear that. Um, but yeah, you still have time, guys, if you want to pick this one up because, like we said, it's a pretty fast read. So it's available on audiobook. There are used copies all over Amazon. There's an ebook under the name uh, Sea Kings of Mars uh, from BaneBooks.com. So a lot of time left, a lot of options for you if you want to want to read along with us and, and discuss it over on Goodreads. Um, but that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, if you still want to get in on the Sword and Laser novel contest over at Inkshares, there is still time. Um, you know, all the pre-orders have to be in by, uh, sorry, all the all the uh, book ideas, manuscripts, chapters have to be in by May 31st in order to be eligible. And then we'll go through and pick our favorite. But yeah, the top five will be published no matter what. The ones with the most pre-orders by May 31st will be published by Inkshares. Um, that's a pretty big deal. They have a lot of support for authors, um, a lot of resources for authors. Uh, definitely check it out, even just to learn more and see what books are available over there, too. And we know some of you are authors, but we know all of you are readers. And so please, everyone, go check out that page. Find the link at swordandlaser.com or just search for it on Inkshares and and put some pre-orders in. Yeah, Take support your fellow writers and readers and Sword and Laser fans and, and check them out. Help us figure out which of these ought to get published. We, we we really want to know your opinion on this as well. And, you know, we'll we'll link to the SF Signal uh, articles that they've written so far, too. So if you want to catch up on some of the interviews they've done, we'll, we'll stick those in the in the show notes as well. Um, okay. So you can follow along with what some of the authors are talking about and doing over on Inkshares. Our show is entirely funded by our patrons at patreon.com slash sword and laser. And we cannot thank you enough for making the show happen. It's a pure value for value proposition. If you enjoy the show and you have some value to give back to us, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser and give us what you think we're worth. And of course, you can also support our show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our other favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address, as always, is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave a blah, 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 blah. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. Gosh, you would think I just learned to talk yesterday no more drinking before the show veronica darn it see you guys next time
Podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.